Let's all please turn to the book of John. Or to, whoa, I'm wrong. Let's turn to the book of 1 John. Let's turn to the book of 1 John. And we're going to read verse 9. Let's all please stand on the reading of his word. For it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. Did you ever notice in the Bible, or in the verse that we just read, at least, in the first John 1 9, it says, if we confess our sins, says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What it does not say, if you notice, it doesn't say half our sins and half righteousness. It doesn't say we half faithful if we half confess. It half forgive. It doesn't say that. It says all. But we need to confess it. This is what it says. It's what it says. A lot of times people, they'll confess especially for the sake of salvation, and, and they should, they should, they should. But people, a lot of times, they'll confess some, and they'll talk about some, but they don't give up all things. They don't give up all things. One of the reasons why we don't have very many people here today, they say, oh, there might be other reasons. Well, we know a lot of the reasons. A lot of times, and even though the Chiefs aren't playing today, a lot of times it has to do with uh, devotion. And devotion to other things. And a lot of times it has to do with, whenever it comes to football, devotion to the chiefs and not the chief. A lot of times it has to do with devotion to people and not the one who gave them the people. A lot of times it has to be, what's wrong with that? There, there is something wrong with that, actually, because God should always come first. And a lot of times it has to do with other things. Now, there's nothing wrong with being ill, obviously. can't help that. But you can always help who comes first in your life. A lot of times we can find things wrong in our life because people a lot of times put half of God first in their lives and half of other things first. We There are things wrong with that. And people do it often in their lives. They'll be half faithful and half not faithful. They'll put half righteousness in their life and half sin in their life. Now, I'm not talking about you in particular, obviously, but I'm talking about people in the world. And I'm also talking about people who are Christians. I'm talking about myself at times in my life, not necessarily now, but times in my life I've done that right. I'm going to be faithful. And I find myself being faithful in certain things and not in all things. Maybe you've done the same. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're doing some of that right now. Maybe you're not. I hope you're not. But I know that if we're honest with ourselves, there's times we can catch ourselves doing this. And this is not me speaking to you specifically about certain things in your life, but I know the Holy Spirit does. And I know the, the Holy Spirit will talk about it to you. Now, when it comes to talking about coffee, and by the way, coffee's not a sin. <laughs> I don't want you to walk away from here and say, I gotta give up coffee. The pastor told me I gotta give up coffee. No, 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 it's between you and the Lord. But I'll tell you this, I do like coffee. I don't drink a lot of coffee in life. I do drink it here at church, though, I'll be honest. It's about the only time I drink it. So why do I have so many coffee cups? Well, I, I'm a I'm a little extremist. Whenever I start getting into something, I buy coffee cups of every sort, ties of every sort. I, I mean, I go a little overboard. I get that honest. You should have known my father. You could ask my, isn't that right, Ma? My dad would, he collect everything. But the truth be told, 
when it came to coffee, there was a uh, a mixture of product and had just about all sorts of types of it. But it was it was a, a, a liquid called half and half. You ever heard of it? I'm sure you have. The the most of what people thought it was a, a a product called half and half. It was half cream and half milk, and they have that. But they have other kinds too. Other uh, products of that. I won't get into all that, except to say that half cream and half milk. And that was what they usually meant when they say, I'll have half and half with that. But you know, a lot of Christians want half and half too. They want half of sinful life, half of flesh, and half of Christian life. <laughs> half a sinful life, half a spirit. Half of living in their old way, half of Jesus in their life. And we're not to have that. We're not to be that way, but a lot of times people do it. I'm going to live half of the old way, half of the new. That's the way a lot of Christians mean it. Oh, Jesus saves me by grace and my faith in grace. Don't that what they say? You know what the Lord says? He's going to save us by grace. So God knows that I believe in him. So I, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be saved by their faith in his grace. And hallelujah for that. But I don't have to take it all in. I'm going to be saved by that half and half Christian life. I'm going to have my half and half Christian life today. That's what we're going to do. And a lot of Christians do that every single day. I'm going to have my half and half Christian life today. And that's what they do. But the, the thing about it is that's not how we're supposed to live. Too many Christians settle for a half and half Jesus life. But it's not how we're supposed to live. We're not to do that. You see, Jesus is not half and half. He didn't do anything half and half. Jesus is the cream of the crop. He's the cream of the crop. He's not that half and half, you know, a little bit of milk, a little cream. Jesus was the cream of the crop. There was an old restaurant I used to watch. In fact, I even put him on my tie today. He was the one who said that he wasn't he wasn't to have the cream of the crop. And that's how we're to be. We're to have the cream of the crop. And that was Jesus. Jesus is the cream of the crop. He is everything you need, the cream of the crop. When you go into a Christian life, you are to have the cream of the crop. When you have the cream of the crop, Jesus Christ, don't settle for half Jesus, half the world. Don't settle for the sin part of life and the Jesus part of your life. You might think right now, but Jesus loves me despite the fact that I'm sinful. And that's true. But Jesus has come in to take out that sinful part of our life. He hasn't said, well, I'm going to take you despite the fact that you have the sinful. Yes, he knows. He knows that we have sinful things in us. He knows that. Yes, he does. But he came out to erase all this sin, not to settle the sin in us. Can you imagine the people say, well, there's poison in my milk today, but I'm going to drink it despite the fact that half of it is poison. Can you imagine that? What kind of brave person would do that? What kind of brave person would say, I got half cream and half poison? <laughs> Who would settle for that kind of half and half life? Well, half of the people, that, I mean, excuse me, the people that settle for the half and half life is settling for half wonderful cream of Jesus Christ and half poison of sin. We're not to do that today. Put the cream of the crop Jesus Christ in our life and let's no longer do the half and half. But that's the, that's the title. That's the title of today's sermon, half and half. We need to put that cream of the crop Jesus says. So let's talk about that today. There's the spirit side, the Christian spirit, godly life. And then there's the lost. And by the way, I'm not talking about you personally over on this side, but you just happen to be on this side where I happen to put that on this paper. <laughs> there's the lost flesh worldly, the lost flesh worldly. That is the other half. And we have to battle with that all the time. And I've talked about it before. It's like a tug of war. It's in our lives. I know it is with me that that, that when we, we have a, a tug of war in our life, a constant battle always going on, 
constant battle. There's the Christian spirit, godly, and the lost fleshly worldly. Lost, lost flesh, worldly side. Which half is going to win out in our lives? Which half? And I'll be honest, that is why <laughs> I saw this shirt and I said, you know, originally I was going to teach this sermon, preach this sermon earlier. And I saw this shirt and I said, I'm going to wait till that shirt comes in. Because I think, now it's not to say this is the only time I'm going to wear this uh, interesting shirt. When I saw this shirt and it was coming in, I said, I'm going to wait until that shirt comes in. Because I thought, wouldn't this be interesting to wear this shirt, half black, half white, whenever I'm preaching about half and half? Wouldn't that be interesting? In fact, I'll tell you this. It reminds me of a couple different things. There was a, an old, me being a nerd like I am, and I am, but there was an old Star Trek episode where there was a, people who were half black, half white, and it was which side is better. It, it dealt with race, honestly. And then there was another black, white, half white, half black thing that interested me, and it was a man, uh, an old Batman character called Two-Face, and, and it was basically, he was split right down the middle, and it dealt with what side was which, and he was, he was basically battling with which side was going to take over. And that's pretty perfect for today in the sense that we do the same thing, battling which side is going to win out. Is it going to be the, the flesh, the old sinful side, the old sinful nature? Or is it going to be the new, brand new Christian side, the spiritual side, the godly side, the wonderful cream Jesus side? Or is it going to be the old disgusting fleshly side, the sinful side, which so often wants to win out, the one that Satan always tempts us to? Even today, even today, I had people online, oh, I say it so often because it's true, people online trying to tempt me to give up Jesus, saying all sorts of horrible things about Jesus Christ. I had to rebuke it, move on from it. I wasn't going to get tricked into that kind of discussion because that's what the devil tries to do. Tries to tell you that Jesus is a nothing. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus is everything. He is everything. Let's take a look. Let's take a look now into the book of Romans. And we'll go back and forth throughout this, but Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, 16 tells us this, and we should never be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel, the gospel truth of the Lord Jesus, that wonderful, pure, cream of the crop, Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first, excuse me, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means to everyone, because this is what it means. This means for someone who's from Greece. It doesn't mean from an, someone who's from Greece went to Rome and those people too. It means if it talks about to the Greek or to the Hebrew or whatever, it means to those who are not Jewish. It means to the Jewish and to everyone else. That's what it means. Because that's what it's talking about when it says to the Greek or to the Gentile. It means to everyone. So it means Jesus died for all, for all, for all. And what else does it say in the book of Romans? Well, we know for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. We know that. Romans 3.10. For none righteous, no, not one. So Jesus died for everybody, for everybody. Not half, not half the people, but everybody. You know what it says in John 17, 17? Well, let's look at that. John 17, 17. Mark that down. John 17, 17. It's, and, and by the way, this is a beautiful, 
beautiful chapter. I just got done reading this yesterday, all of these wonderful chapters in the book of John. If you ever want to, and you should, mark this down. John chapter, I believe 14, all the way through 17. Beautiful. Beautiful. This is when Jesus is, is up there. Uh, one of the places you can find it, where Jesus is up there having the last supper with the disciples. And Jesus goes through, the, and especially in the book of John, beautiful. This is a wonderful place. And right after Judas leaves, this is where Jesus really opens up and starts speaking. And when he goes, because this is after Satan enters into Judas and he leaves, and he opens up to those disciples who are truly given unto God. And when that happens, Jesus opens up. And then when after Jesus opens up to the disciples, he starts speaking to God, Jesus does. He starts speaking to his father, God, because they're getting ready to go out into the garden. And when he opens up to his father, God, he says so many beautiful, wonderful things. It might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite. I got a lot of favorites. People know me well. Hebrews chapter 11 is a great one. But this book, too, this chapter. Hebrew, or John chapter 17, when Jesus is speaking to his father about what's about to happen. Not just going to the garden, but when he goes to the garden, he knows he's about to be taken. And he knows it's going to lead to his death and to his resurrection and everything he came for. And listen to this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your, talking to God, your truth. Your word is truth. We are to speak and live the truth. The word of God is truth. I know others are going to lie. They think it's lies. They think it's all fanatical. They think it's all false. They think it's fairy tale. They think it's fantasy. But you got to remember, they're blind. They don't know the truth that speaks to them. They're being lied to by Satan. They don't know that they're ignorant. Did you just call them stupid? No, I called Satan stupid, and he blinded them. When the ignorant are blinded by stupid, does that make them stupid? Yeah, sort of. They're being educated by stupid. And they don't know that they're being educated by stupid. It's not their fault. But here's the thing. Even though they're being blinded by ignorance, Satan is an idiot because he knows God. And he knows God is real. And he knows that he's uneducating these poor people. They don't mean to be. But that doesn't mean, you say, yeah, but we're supposed to be loving to all those people. Yeah, you can be loving to them. But that doesn't mean you go right along and continue to blind them and say, okay, okay, well, we love them. So what you're saying is true. No, you don't want them to continue to, to walk in blindness. <laughs> no. And you don't go right into the dark with them. That would make you a fool. As a fool says there is no God, you don't go right along with them. Oh, okay. No, you know there's a God. And if you don't know that, <laughs> maybe you better start looking over yourself again and making sure. Let's now turn to, to Romans again. But now let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Because in order for me to capture all of what I want to say here, or what needs to be said here, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 goes to 11. Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. It goes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from 
the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And concerning sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, to be carnally minded is death. Oh, I say it again. To be carnally minded is death. But the spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal minded is hostile toward God, for it is not subject to the law of God, for indeed can it, excuse me, for nor indeed can it be. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, nor if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of God, excuse me, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that lives in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I love that. I love that. I love that. You are alive when you have Jesus Christ living in you, no matter what it does. I don't know about you, but every single day, my body is getting older and older and more and more tired. I would say tired and tired, but I don't think that's the correct word for it. But it's more and more tired. However, even though we can see a lot of Christians out there, a lot of people that lost who are half and half, we're not to go and join the half and half people. We're to be all whole and completely. Filled with the cream of the crop, which is Jesus Christ. We're to be completely and whole. But there's a lot of people out there who are half-hearted. So the question I have today, are you half-hearted? I pray and hope not. We're not to be half-hearted. Now there might be days you wake up and feel half-hearted when you have people yelling in your ear, mocking you, making fun, and you turn on the news, and I know how it is. You turn on the news and the people are saying things to you making you feel stupid, calling Christians stupid, saying things all the time. You know what you do when that happens? I, it's something you may never heard of before. Whoop, turn the power off and turn on the word of God. It's not that hard. It really isn't. It's called power. But guess what? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Oh, hallelujah. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Amen. Amen. And there's power in the word. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I can just dance right now, knowing that Jesus Christ is in me. Woohoo! I'm excited because they cannot take it away from me. Oh, no, they cannot. They cannot. I'm not going to be a half-hearted Christian. I'm going to be a full-hearted Christian. I didn't say full-hearted Christian. I said a full, F-U-L-L, full-hearted Christian. I am going to be a full-hearted Christian on fire for Christ. And I don't care what the world has to say about it. Oh, no, I do not. No, I don't. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I say that's the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Listen to this. This is why we don't want to be half-hearted. No, not at all. 
Well, there's too many people out there who's half-hearted. Half-hearted for Christ. I've known many. I've known many. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is, by the way, Hebrews 11, 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We diligently seek him. How many people, I, I was speaking to someone just recently. They said, oh, I believe he's real. But that's good. That's good. But they said, well, I believe he's real. He was a real person. They didn't necessarily believe that he was really God. And folks, that's not enough. It's not enough. Saint believes in Jesus too. Oh, I just kept praying for the individual afterwards. You can't make someone ask Jesus Christ into their heart. You can't make them believe. You can't make them accept him. Whew, I wish I could. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could whoop, stick some double A batteries in the back of them, put a little remote control with them. You know what I mean? But I can't do that. God didn't give us the ability to do that, did he? No, he gave him free will. It says in 1 Peter 3.15. That's the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to every man who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and fear. Now, hang on. Hang on now. Hang on. This doesn't mean be afraid of them. No, 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 no. Because you got people always like, why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in Jesus? And different ones try to put fear in you. This doesn't mean you're afraid of them. This means the fear of the Lord. And this doesn't mean you're afraid of God. This means you have respect. Fear means you respect and belief in the Lord God. You know that he's the creator of all things. And I am glad to stand up and say, I know that I know him. I know that I believe in him. And I do. And I tell him the reason, the reason. Folks, when you have faced death so many times, when you know that you're going to stand before him, I don't have to listen to these folks who you don't even know because you see them, they, they type and stuff on their little, their, as my mother calls it, keyboard courage. I'm not worried about these folks, so I'm never even going to meet them. Even if I did meet them, if they came up here and says, so you have something to say, I, I, I stand up. I sure will do. But here's the thing. I'm not worried about that. I don't care what size they are. I don't care what race. I don't care how much hair they have. I don't care about all that stuff. I don't care what sex they are. What I do know is I care about my Lord and Savior. When he comes to say to me, how come you didn't tell them about me? I'm going to say, I'm sorry, Lord. No, I'm not. You know why? Because I am going to tell them. Not in their face mean, but out of love because I want them to know Jesus. Not half-hearted. Wholehearted. And we're not to be mixed-minded either. Not mixed-minded. Confused, mixed-minded, because people are putting foolish things in our head of schools or on TV. That's why we're not to always put our minds on those things. And I know, because I came from a generation where they put lies in school, lies in the books, lies on things on TV. That's why we got to be careful what we watch. We don't want to put it in there too much. And I know, I know I probably watched so much television throughout my youth. I watched more than ever was necessary. And what I watch now is very selective, believe it or not. It's true. 
I go to watch new things. I may watch 10 minutes of it. And I say, like, and I'll pause. I'll stop. I'm not going back to that. Too much vile stuff. Too much inappropriate stuff. Too much unbiblical stuff. I'm like, I'm not going back to that. I'd rather watch three days of something pure. It might be dumb as a box of rocks, but I'd rather watch something dumb as a box of rocks that's pure than something that's inappropriate. That's the facts. We're not to be mixed-minded. Listen to what it says in James chapter 4, verse 8. And stay in James chapter 4 for just a second. We're going to read two things from it. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then just a few just a few scriptures away in James 4, 17. Oh, I love the book of James. Oh, I love it. James 4, 17. It says, therefore, to him, oh, listen now, the people who are playing around with the world, the people who say it's okay to be half and half, it's not okay to be half and half. It's not. This one says, James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is a sin. I'll say it again. It is a sin. I don't know. Is it so wrong to do something? I mean, yes. Oh, yes. And you know it. Are you with me questioned in the first place? Oh, you know. And you know that you know. And you know that you know that you know. And you know that God knows. And that's the truth. The Holy Spirit told you. That's why you're questioning it in the first place. When you spend time alone and you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing. And you know that. And you know how I know it? Because I've done it too. In the past, maybe not the same thing, but things that the devil puts temptation on you with. And then you do it and then you feel guilty for it. But then you try to convince yourself you're not guilty for it. And then you say, yeah, but God still loves me. Yeah, he does. That's why he gives you the Holy Spirit to make you feel guilty for it, because he loves you. and He's trying to get you not to do it anymore. Whatever it might be. He doesn't want you to live half and half anymore. He wants you to be half hearted or mixed minded. And that's why Jesus Christ himself says in Luke 16, 13, Luke 16, 13, Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, he was speaking about those who are rich are either going to be serving your money or God. But that goes towards sin, too. You're either going to be serving the one side, the richness of sin, or the richness of holiness, folks. You can't serve both. One's going to win out. One is going to win out. I was talking about a tug of war a while ago between righteousness and worldliness. One will win out. I've been in a lot of tug of wars. Now, people started loving. I'm talking about only in a tug of war, okay? Only in a tug of war. I was mocked, made fun of, and everything my whole life for being heavy. Being big, boned, and all this other stuff. And the thing is, when it came time for a tug of war, nobody wanted me. They never picked me on their side for any kind of sport or anything else. Never the girls never picked me for dancing, okay? But when it came time for tug of war, they said, pick Philip first. And they all loved me all of a sudden. Isn't that amazing? They all said, Don't pick him, don't pick him, don't pick tug of war, pick Philip, pick Philip. Oh, I don't know why. But anyway. All of a sudden, they wanted me. 
And I, and I usually won on every tug of war. In fact, the only one I didn't, I was five years old. But in every other one, I won. Now, here's the thing. I would get on there and I get bullheaded and determined. And I would I learned early in life when you are in a tug of war, you get yourself determined, put your feet in there, get yourself so determined, you get that rope, you put it around your shoulder, you get to walk in and you get to go in and nothing's gonna stop you now. I don't care how many people are against you, you just get to get it. Anyway, the point is, is when Satan gets to going and putting all the flesh against you, you go to Jesus Christ, you listen to him, you listen to his word, you don't listen to that flesh, you listen to the spirit and you turn away, you turn away, you turn away from the flesh. You turn to the spirit and you walk away from the flesh. If you're listening and turning, looking at the flesh, you will start uh, losing your footing and losing the holding. But if you turn away from the flesh, you're not going to hear the flesh anymore. And you're going to walk over the spirit. That's how you win against the flesh. But if you're looking towards the flesh, you're going to start giving into it. That's how you win. That's how you win in the mixture of the mind. Don't be mixed in the mind ever again. Only go towards the cream of the crop. That's how you do it. Every single time. Amen. Oh, you're getting me all excited now. Oh, get me all excited. And here's a scripture for you. Here's a scripture that goes with both half-hearted and mixed mind. And I've been both. I'm here to tell you right now, hallelujah. I've been half-hearted in my life. I've been mixed-minded. Now listen, and I'm talking not just spiritually. I'm talking physically, too. You're talking to a man who's had both sides of his heads cut open, folks. I've had my right side of my head cut open and my left side. I've had it all cut open. You say, has your pastor been mixed-minded? Oh, yeah. I've been mixed-minded both physically, spiritually, and everything else. But listen, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to it. There's only one who can help you not to be mixed-minded ever again, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He can help you in those moments. Listen to what he said about it. Jesus Christ said this about the half-hearted mixed-minded. Listen now. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. And it says it so clear. Oh, yes, it does. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 38 says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. He goes on to say what the second is, but that's the first. All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's that simple. It wraps it up. It wraps it up. I could in the sermon there. I won't, though. I won't. I won't. There was a man in the Old Testament that was chosen of God. Now, God wasn't really ready to choose a king because he knew his will. And the people wouldn't shut up and listen to God. They were listening to themselves. It's in the flesh, I guess, because they were jealous of all the kingdoms around. See, and they wanted a king. And God said, well, it's not my time for that. Samuel was upset. Samuel kept telling all the people, well, now, now, now this isn't God's will. But they wouldn't shut up and listen. So God said, OK, I'll give him a king. They're not really going to like it, but I'll give him one. So they did get one. And they got, uh, and, and God said to Samuel, it's not you. It's not on you. It's on them. And he gave him one. And this king's name was, was Saul, King Saul. In fact, tonight we're going to talk about that. If you want to come tonight, we're going to talk about that. And uh, tonight's sermon is called Sad, Mad, Glad. Sad, Mad, Glad. That's tonight. But 
Saul, Saul was a man who was truly chosen of God. And when he first became a king, he listened to God. He listened to God with all his heart. And he was ordained by God. And he really loved him with all his heart. And he he uh, followed God. And he listened to him and he did everything God said at first. At first. Somewhere down the line, he started listening to his own heart. And to his, he was half-hearted. And he was mixed-minded. He started listening to the wrong people. And he became, in his actions, after listening to, became becoming half-hearted and, and mixed-minded, he started becoming, in his actions, you could call him adult, adult action. He became adult action. Now, what does it mean to be adult? It means unable to think clearly. What it means to be adult. Unable to think clearly and not behaving clearly. And that's what happened with Saul. And it's really sad. Because of that, God was done with Saul. God was done with him. He said, all right, I've had enough. You're not doing what I asked you to do. And folks, it wasn't just once. It wasn't just twice. It was done thrice. And he said, I'm done with this. And I'm going to give your king, your, your kingship, your calling to someone else. That's what he did. That next king to be was David. David had a calling of God. Everybody knew it. They could see it. They could feel it. It was all over. Because when you have a calling of God, when you have that Holy Spirit calling, that's why when the Holy Spirit wasn't in people then, but it was on people. And they could sense it. They could sense it. Saul could sense it. When they first met, David came. And God was singing through David. David had a good voice. Now, I'm not saying he would come to him and sing like Elvis Presley. I mean, I can't imagine that. Uh -huh. But he would come. And he would play the harp. And when he would play that, that harp and he would sing to him, he would put Saul to rest. And he had a, a really mixed spirit because why? He was mixed minded and he was half hearted towards the Lord. And he knew he let God down. But when he was around David, you know what he's feeling? He's feeling wholehearted again. He was no longer mixed in the mind. He felt pure and good because he's feeling the presence of God. Now, when you have people in your life who know they have let God down, they get near you when you're fully living for God and they feel that presence of the Holy Spirit. They hate you and love you at the same time, and they don't know why. It's not you at all. It's God. And that's what was going on there. Saul loved David and hated him and tried to kill him. And there's a whole story there. But we're not going to get into that. They went out of time. But Saul became adult action. And that's the way a lot of people become as Christians. They become adult in their actions. A lot of people are that way even today. Maybe you're that way. I don't know. I'm not going to assume. Maybe you become adult in your actions. Because it says in Hebrews 6, 11 through 12, we desire that every one of you show the same diligence for the full assurance of hope to the end, so that you may not be lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're not to be lazy in our actions. We're to keep on keeping on. Fully living and fully, fully living for the Lord. Because when we're half-hearted and mixed-minded and half and half, our actions are addled. And we're not giving our fullness to the Lord. We're not able to think clearly. We're not to be that way. You know what it says in Romans 12, 11? And Romans 12, 11 says, do not be lazy in diligence, be fervent in spirit, 
and serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Do not be lazy in diligence, but fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. That's how we're to be. And I'm proud of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who are here today, those who cannot be here, I understand that. But sometimes people aren't here because they don't want to be, or at least not as much as they should. And not, like I said, not everybody can help it. Some people can, and they just don't. It's, it's just the way it is. We have to be on fire. You know, sometimes I wake up in the morning, and I wake up in the morning, and I have a hard time raising my weary head. I have a hard time. And I say, oh, I don't know if I feel up to it. And you know what? The Spirit says, get up, big boy. You're going to serve the Lord today. And I say, I don't know if I can. You're going to do it. You're not going to half and half anything. You're going to put on the full assurance of God, and you're going to serve him. And that's what we end up doing. You know why? Because greater is he who is in me. And that's what we end up doing, serving the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do, and whatever you do. Oh, listen. And whatever you do, in word or in deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we do that, he's with us. Give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Pastor, you don't know how hard it is for me. Oh, I can imagine. Can I tell you something? In case I've never mentioned it to you before, you who's watching at home. Oh, I know a lot of people around here know it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, I can't, can't feel my hand mostly. I'm talking about my left hand. I can't feel most of it right here. It's, it's dead right here in the hand. I can only feel part of it. And sometimes you may see, I put my hand right over here. My brother over here watches me because sometimes I think I'm going to have a seizure. That's why sometimes I go in my office over here at the side because I, I may have seizures. There's times I think I'm going to fall on the floor, and I've done it before. I fall on the floor and have seizures. There's times I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it back up again. But I'm going to keep on serving Jesus. Even if that meant I wasn't going to get back up again, I'm going to keep serving Jesus. Folks, if, if we just give our best unto God, he gives his best back unto us. Even if it was the last thing I did, if I died, not that I think it would be a wonderful service after that, but if I was to die serving Jesus, I would die happy. Even if I give my very best, it's all I want to give back to God because he gave his best unto me. And we're not going to give half and half or give all that we got unto God. I'm going to give my best. He's gave his best to me. Let's give it right back to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not to give adult actions, not to give uh, actions unable to think clearly, but give it all unto him. Give it all. Give it all to Jesus. As it says in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Don't worry about those other people who try to make you feel bad for serving Jesus Christ. Pastor, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I know you don't, and that's good because you got a good heart. But remember, you don't answer to them. You're not answering to them. You're answering to the Lord. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for, men, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So we are not to be half-hearted, mixed-minded, or addled in actions. But we are to have fierce faith. We are to be on fire for Christ. As far as the people on the other side, they're not fierce in faith. They've forgotten their faith. But you haven't forgotten yours, praise the Lord. You haven't forgotten yours. You're not to be half and half. You're to be fierce in your faith. As it says in James 1.3, James 1.3 says, Knowing that the trying of your faith develops 
patience. This is why when hard times come, you're able to keep on going because your patience has been developed through all the hardships you go through. This is why, even though I hate all my physical problems and all that stuff, you know the great thing about physical problems? The great thing about it? You might say, what? I don't think there is anything great about it. Well, I'll say what's great about it. The great thing about it is, is it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. When we have physical problems and hardships and all that, it's only going to get better, folks, because we're going to go to heaven. And when we get to heaven, we got nothing but the good to wait for. Hallelujah. You know, people who have nothing but good physical things in their life, <laughs> as they get older, it's only going to get worse. Not that I want bad on anybody, but I'll have this to say. If all they got is good physical stuff here on earth and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. I will say this. If they have a good physical body here and they have Jesus Christ, you got nothing but good to wait for too. But if you don't, I'm worried about you. You need Jesus. Call on to him today. Please don't wait. You're not promised tomorrow. Don't have a happy day. Romans 8 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh. This is to you saved. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If you don't know Jesus, come to know him today. Don't wait any longer. We mentioned that earlier when I was reading. Because remember, as it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as it says in Romans 6, 11, Likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead in sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no more need to be half and half. No more need in that. The lost, the worldly, those who are living half and half, those who are in the half. A lot of us Christians, a lot of the Christians out there are living half and half. There's no need for that. We no longer need to live that way. We can be fully living the way Christ wants us. He's the cream of the crop. We can give ourselves over to him. Today, we can give ourselves to him. We need to listen to the cream of the crop. He rises and calls unto us. We can rise up and listen to him every single day. And as I finish here today, I'm going to, see, uh, I'm going to quote this. First John chapter 5. Verse 3 through 4. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. I'll say it again. If you have asked Jesus Christ in your heart, your personal Lord and Savior, then you have the cream of the crop within you. But if you have been living half and half, partially following the old you, always the flesh, you don't have to do that anymore. Now, this is not to condemn you because we've all fallen short. And all of us at one point in time, not even realizing it, sometimes have fallen the other, the other side. So today you can come forward and pray this through. Or maybe you're embarrassed and you, you're afraid if you come forward, you're going to be condemned. You're not. You're not going to be condemned. For we've all done it at one point in time. But know that today, that doesn't have to go on any further. God's going to show you some things in your life, some things that perhaps you have done or are doing that need to be given over unto him completely. And he will make you aware of it. 
And today you can give yourself completely over to him and you can follow him, the cream of the crop, no longer living half and half. And in that, your life's going to change. Your life's going to change. You no longer have to listen to the people who are condemning you and making you feel bad about not going with how the world sees things to be pure. Because they're not pure. They're impure. Christ is pure. He's perfect. Follow the perfection of Christ. Follow him today. Let's bow. Dear precious Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I pray that you will show us your will. Show us your perfection. Show us what you want us to change, what you need us to change, what we need you to change through us. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us will allow you to open us up from within. I pray, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the people who are watching can see exactly what your will is. That we will not be embarrassed or shut you down for what changes need to be made in our lives. Lord, speaking of myself, I, I thank you for all the times that you show me what I need to do. How much better life is with you. How much worse it is without you. Lord, I thank you so much for your love for each and every one of us. I pray for those right now who are physically ill. I pray that you'll help them this very moment. For those who do not have you, I pray, Lord God, that upon this day you will call out to them and that they will hear the Holy Spirit calling to them. And that this day they'll become your children. Lord, I pray for this in the holy precious.